What's going on, everybody? I think that we've had a little bit of time off. You know who I am. I am your host, Blaine Spencer. Um, unfortunately, due to some technical things with my YouTube and stuff like that and some of my graphics that I've been trying to create, this is just going to be, unfortunately, an audio version of this podcast this week. But you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be talking NBA and NBA it shall be because these series have been absolutely fascinating. If you really take a deeper dive into it, we're going to take a look at Warriors Memphis as well as Suns Mavericks, Celtics and the Bucks, and lastly the Heat and the 76ers. But without further ado, I want to welcome you guys into the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And you guys know who I am. I am your host, Blaine Spencer. So we all know I kind of have a bit of bias here. I'm a diehard Warriors fan. My Warriors up 3-1 on the Memphis Grizzlies. And these games have been a little bit of physicality. You can see that there's been some controversy with Potential injuries, hard fouls, ejections, etc. And I know these games have been relatively tight other than a Game 3 blowout that took place by the Warriors where they won by 30. But Game 1, Warriors win by 1. Morant misses his layup at the buzzer. Game 2, Grizzlies find a way in in that fourth quarter to pull away with Morant's spectacular 47 points. Game three, which was in a Warriors onslaught about after midway through the first quarter, where they only were had roughly, I want to say, something ridiculous, like 10 or 11 points through the first that, and then the rest of the game, the final 38 minutes, they scored 130. Absolutely ridiculous onslaught of shooting. Everybody was clicking in that game three game. Then in game four, where with Morant out due to his bone, officially now is a what they're calling a bone bruise, what that took place in game three. Warriors came out extremely flat. Memphis has been a very good team without Morant. They were 20-5 and five going into game four. And their defense was immensely better. Warriors shot awful. It looked like they came out a little bit flat, but they found that winning mentality and winning recipe in that fourth quarter to come back and survive to now take a 3-1 series lead. And one of the things that has been completely unique to me as of late is where can we warrant any of these ejections, flagrant twos, injuries, the code that Steve Kerr so eloquently put in game two after Gary Payton the second was injured extremely early in that game on his dunk layup attempt by Dylan Brooks. We all know that there's the in the playoffs, there's that no layup rule. Don't get me wrong. I am no quality basketball player in my imagine. I haven't played since high school, but I that no layup rule is warranted when it gets into these crunch time situations. But nowadays it's become where is the alternative and how can we try to play smarter now? Like into in if we're actually looking back in the history of the 80s and 90s, even like the early 2000s, so like that Draymond Green flagrant two, that's that's a common foul that Dylan Brooks play. 
mostly he gets eject he gets suspended for game three because probably Gary Payton got gets injured and fractures his elbow. He's probably playing in game three. There is no issue there. All of these are more just regular common fouls, but in today's NBA, those are unwarranted plays that create such a interesting dynamic. And can you quote the plays dirty or the players dirty? Draymond Green, there are instances where his ego is questioned and his mo- motives sometimes can go under that forte of playing more physical and, in quotes, dirty. I don't think his foul on Brandon Clark when he goes up, pulls, hits him in the face, then pulls him down, then tries to catch him at the bottom. I don't know if it warranted an ejection. I would say a flagrant, easily a flagrant one in today's NBA. I think the pull down on his jersey was what really warranted his ejection, which created this. But then if you look at that in game two, I felt like you knew there was going to be a retaliation and you saw that with the no layup play. Dylan Brooks, this was probably a little bit more, this was definitely more dirty if that's, I don't even like the term, but if you take a deeper dive, he's coming from behind. Gary Payton's jumping forward towards the basket, has no indication of where Brooks is and he gets winded up and hit in the back of the head. Again, that's not Brooks's intention whatsoever, but it just happens to be the case. He gets the flagrant two, and he's suspended for game three. Was he warranted to get suspended in game three? I would say no, because for me, I just how I grew up watching basketball, I loved watching basketball in the early 90s, from the late 90s, early 2000s, just replays and stuff like that watching the physicality and embracing the game for what it was. And with in today's NBA, it can be so ticky-tack at times, which creates such a sometimes disappointment for the fans, but that's because all now in today's NBA, it's all about scoring. They don't really want to see that 85-80 playoff game where it's ugly, fouls, free throw line, missed shots. They want the game where it's 100 and 25, 120, people are lighting it up. Teams can't miss from the field. But it ultimately just shows how the game has evolved. And you can even just get an indication of game ones of these first of these first round series. That Celtics Bucks game one was so more physical and they allowed the players to play right they didn't want to dictate the game they let a lot go it was consistent and everyone was very pleased with how that game was officiated then game one memphis warriors was after that they were calling everything it was a complete 180 on how the other game was officiated so it just questions where is that consistency every once in a while with the nba and how everything goes and it just creates such a conundrum that the NBA is facing with trying to promote the game. They've created the play-in now to help promote that and help the game be more entertaining, more teams involved. But where is that? I just, I don't get it. I really don't. But let's get back on track here for a second. I kind of rambled on the NBA a little bit more and how where this, there needs to be consistency for sure. But as it pertains to this series, 
And then going back to the John Moran injury, I don't think Poole committed a dirty play. You can see they kind of hurt him there on his knee, pulled it. I just – it's hard for me to fathom how he – how hard he had to swing to create a bone bruise there that could take take jaw out of the rest of the postseason. I don't know if it's wear and tear and that just aggravated it from what he was – he's just playing – he was playing through it at the moment. Don't get me wrong. John Morant has been the best player in this series, and it hasn't even been really close. Dude's been on another level, averaging something ridiculous. I think it was 37, 38 points, shooting over 50% from the field, over 42% from three. He's just been an absolute monster. And game five tonight, I do think the Warriors will close it out because they know they want to have that sense of urgency, especially with this potential of Dallas-Phoenix going to a game seven. You want to get those couple days rest because I think we're missing out on the true point here that the Warriors, I think, are the warranted right now front runners in the Western Conference. I would say that. I'm actually not being unbiased. I think the Warriors right now are playing the best basketball. Phoenix, we've seen a mixed bag in these first two series. But again, matches play a role. Like no Morant, no Brooks in these couple of these games. And then in that first round series against Denver, it was pretty much a walk in the park. Jokic did whatever he wanted, but no one else really truly stepped up. So where does this go from here from the Warriors' perspective? you got to close it out now. If not, it'll probably close out in Game 6. I don't think it gets past Game 6. Honestly, I think it ends tonight, personally. But it just goes to show that Memphis really beat themselves. I saw. I was talking about this in, this, in the Minnesota series when I was on Goat Talk with um, Marcus. Go talk with Marcus. Great podcast. Great show. Go check him out. GTP Marcus. And we did a breakdown of Memphis, Minnesota. Minnesota should have so won that series in five games, if not six. They were so lackluster. And you're seeing that Memphis capitalize on Minnesota's mistakes and you knew that Memphis was making mistakes so well in that series. And if they were going to make those mistakes, Warriors were going to make them pay. And that's what has happened in three out of these in three out of the four games. That Memphis is playing careless basketball. And don't get me wrong, I am one of the the Grizz are here to stay. I don't think they're going anywhere. But I that veteran presence that I thought Pat Bev was going to be in the Minnesota series that hasn't really shown up. That didn't show up for them. I think it. They need somebody like that. They need someone to help control, like, even if they worked out the Andre Iguodala situation, right, before he bought out, when he got traded to Memphis, just having his leadership. Like, it's not like he's playing in this series, but he has been a coach on the a second, a third or fourth coach on the sideline, seeing something different. It's just giving them an opportunity to see everything that's transpiring. And I think they needed to capitalize on that, and they haven't, which has been disappointing, if I'm being completely honest. But I think the Warriors get it done here. I think they close it out tonight. If not tonight, it will be Friday. I believe they play Friday. Let me me validate that. Yeah, Friday. It'll be done by Friday. So 
If not, if they don't uh, close it out tonight, hopefully they'll give me a nice birthday present and uh, close it out because my birthday is on Friday. I'm not going to tell you any more than that, but it'll be an interesting sight to see whether or not the Warriors can finish this out. So now let's jump to the other Game 5 that is taking place in the Eastern. This time it's in the Eastern Conference. Let's talk Bucks celtics because this series has been absolutely fascinating. Clearly the best series, in my opinion. And what they have, the Boston Celtics have shown this play, this postseason is that they can lock up arguably the two best players on the planet. Shut down Kevin Durant in the first series where they swept him. Jason Tatum absolutely dominated Kevin Durant. It wasn't even much of a question either. It was, can Brooklyn even win a game? That's what it looked like after when they lost at the buzzer in game one. Can they even get a game? Because it felt like they had not winning game one took the absolute sales out of them. And they were never truly good. Kyrie had that great game in game one. But he fell off the map, the face of the earth after that. Oh, I'm sorry. Not the face of the earth because he's a flat earth guy. <laughs> but um, truly interesting to how Boston has sh- slowed down Giannis. Don't get me wrong. Giannis has had a couple of very important games. He's averaging still 30, 30, 55 from the field. But, oh, so this is, I think this might have been his season stats, actually. Not his postseason stats in this series. But what Giannis... They have limited him on such a great way. And Al Horford has been somehow incredible. He's had resurrected his career since this on this move. Had 30 points in the game four win where they came back. And truly special to see that they are the best team in, in defensively, holding them to 43% shooting. And I think not having Chris Middleton has really shown in these fourth quarters where if we're looking at these games, uh, trying to see here these scores, but game game one, Bucks dominated. Giannis had a triple-double. Boston couldn't hit the br- – couldn't shoot if their life depended on it. Game two, vice versa. Boston shot well. Bucks couldn't score if their life depended on it. Game three, the controversy with the Marcus Smart foul. Don't get me wrong. He should have been on the free throw line for three, not two. That is clearly a missed call. I don't know. understand how the NBA doubles down on that, saying that was a rip through. He is on his way up. He is transitioning where he catches the ball. One dribble into his shot. I don't even know if he took a dribble. I can't remember the play off the top of my head right now. But still, how are you making that call? It's mind-boggling, isn't it? Creates all of this tension of what is taking place. Where are we going to go from here? It just creates a different thing. Game four, Al Horford takes over. Him and Tatum both go for over 30. Giannis had 34, but he's not shooting efficiently. Al Horford has stymied him to under 40% shooting. It might even be lower than that when he's guarding him. Boston has the formula defensively. And don't get me wrong. 
I'm just going to be sorry, Miami, Philadelphia. We'll talk about that series next. But the winner of this series has the winner of the Eastern Conference written all over it. Because Boston, they can stop anybody. Probably Miami would have be the second team to ar- make an argument in that regard. That would be a fascinating series with the two these two teams with all the wing defenders that they can throw out on the court. See how that would unfold. But then if the Bucks get through, you'll probably get Chris Middleton back. And then, I other than Bam, I don't think Miami has somebody that can truly guard Giannis. I mean, they could throw P.J. Tucker on him, of course, but it doesn't add up. It truly does not add up. But tonight, game five, I think this game's this series is going seven, so I like Boston tonight. I think Boston will get it done. Don't get me wrong. I think Giannis will have a monstrous game after kind of being lethargic or gassed, probably be a better word, in game four. Truly didn't look like he had enough in the tank to finish that game off. So I like Boston tonight. And I think it's going to go seven. If I had to go right now, I'm going to go Bucks in seven. I think Boston wins tonight. Bucks win game six at home. And then game seven, I think you're going to see the winning men- championship mentality of the Milwaukee Bucks unfold if this goes to a seventh game. And I have the Bucks advancing in seven. But let's look on the flip side now, shall we? Because this. Series has been, I don't even know what to call it, disappointing with how the Miami Heat and Philadelphia 76ers series has unfolded. I'm trying to pull up the scores here, but oh my gosh. Last night was pathetic. It was absolutely lethargic. After Philly comes back from 2-0 and B comes back for game three, you saw how they rallied. You thought you were going to get a vintage James Harden performance that you got in game four. It's just mind-bottling to me with how disappointing this series has been. I need to pull up these scores of these games. I'm trying to remember if there was even a competitive game in this series yet. Like, truly. Because I am, I just don't understand it to me. Because Miami dominated game one and game two. Of course, no Embiid. Didn't look like they were truly in it. Game three, another blowout. Game four. It looks like it was an eight-point game, but it never truly felt like it was a tight game. I mean, Harden made some big shots. Don't get me wrong. Butler went off for 40. Other than that, blowout, blowout. Let's see. Game one, Heat 20 by 24. Game two, Heat by 16. Game three, Sixers by 20. Game four, Sixers by eight. Game five, Heat by 35. Like, seriously, where is the competitiveness in this series? These teams are giving up where they just can't make the shooting has been so awful, usually by one, one team in this series. And Right now, it's the teams that have been the team that's winning, Miami Heat. It's just like they're not even they have the games haven't even been competitive when they're when in the three games they've won. And you have to question the mentality of the Sixers, right? 
don't get me wrong. I want to talk about James Harden for a second. And everyone's ripping on him, but I think you need we all need to realize that this is not the James Harden from Houston. It's not. And then when he wanted out, he got everything he wanted. He got Westbrook in. He got Westbrook out. He got Chris Paul in. He got Chris Paul out. There was no true sense of where he was truly happy in Houston. Then you have the postseason struggles. You start questioning that. And then he comes in out of shape because he wants out. I don't think he's ever been truly back in shape. Gets his trade to Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, he's still out of shape there. He doesn't have he still has very good numbers because he doesn't have when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the floor with you, you're gonna have decent numbers averaging 22 points efficiently because no everyone there's no way to defend that. And then of course they probably win the championship if they stay healthy last year. Or even just a Kevin Durant, smaller shoe size, they probably win the championship. And would Harden get, be forcing him way out th- this year? No. No, he wouldn't. Then he forces him way out because that's not how that goes. They lose to Milwaukee. Milwaukee wins the championship, right? Gets his wants out of Philly and out of Brooklyn, excuse me, and goes to Philly. And he had that hamstring injury. I think that was. I think it was a legit injury. Some claim it wasn't. I think it was. Because even once he got to Brooklyn, you haven't seen the true explosiveness that you were accustomed to seeing. Him drawing fouls. I think that rule change of initiating contact has hurt him because I think that honestly was his calling card getting to the free throw line 15 times minimum a game, right? 10 to 15 times. And now he's not getting those calls because a lot of it had to do was that he was creating the contact and getting that call. He's not getting that call as frequently anymore. And then you have to look at the pace. The legs aren't there in his jump shot, which is coming up short, long, left, right. There is no true consistent miss. You're either going to miss if you're a shooter you want to miss long every time because that means you're hitting back iron and it's just hitting the back of the iron and coming out. You don't want to be short because it means your potential conditioning or you don't have the conditioning in your legs. So I never, I didn't think, I don't think we were so surprised of what James Harden were getting. We shouldn't be. We really shouldn't. This is, the new normal. I don't think he's going to be that superstar everyone thinks he's going to be now anymore. It's not him. It's not his game. He's a facilitator. He's a point guard. He's got to reinvent himself in that regard. Or maybe, can we not? They lose this series, which I have them doing. I have Miami winning in seven because I think the Sixers will bounce back because there's no way Doc and Bede and these guys are going to fold like that in Philadelphia because they will let them know. It's different in Philadelphia when it comes to these fans. And if you lay in the towel in that regard, you are in strong disbelief and you are screwed. You know what I'm saying? So it will be anything but a surprise in that. So where are we going to go from here? I don't know. I think they'll bounce back in game six because it didn't even look like they stepped onto the court last night. That's how bad it was.
Lastly, as we wrap up this quick episode of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast, we're going to wrap up with the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. And then I'm going to give a quick hot take if we have enough time. Let's see. And we have game six happening last night. Mavericks, Suns, another series that's been an extreme mixed bag of games, right? Suns win by seven in game one. Dominance from Luka Doncic, and he's been absolutely superior in this series. 45 points in that game one loss. But nobody showed up and helped him out in game one and game two. Suns blew him out in game two. Mavericks finally got that help in game three. Shut down Phoenix, and they really limited Chris Paul in games three and game four, which led to them winning by nine and ten, respectively. Then last night, I don't know what happened in that second half. It was atrocious. Phoenix went went off. Devin Booker has been phenomenal, scored 28. That third quarter outscored him by 20. They ended up winning by 30 in that game. This series has been intriguing to me because it's been very much about the supporting cast. And I think that's been a fair assessment, especially when it comes to Dallas. We all you can book it for Luca's numbers. He'll probably give you get you 38 and 8. You can almost lock that in at this point. But you haven't been able to get the consistency. I have an APB out for Spencer Dinwiddie. We cannot find him in this series. He has been that bad. He's been an absolute ghost in this series. You couldn't even tell if he's on the court. That's how bad it's been. It's been five on four. And he's not taking shots, not being aggressive. He's not making anything when he takes those shots. It's been abysmal. He needs to show up. And then it comes down to adjustments. Monty Williams made a massive adjustment in game five. They truly decided to start to limit every... They have been limiting everybody else, but they took it to them as they've been trying to attack Luka on the defensive end. They were doing that effectively in the first couple games, got away from that in game three and game four, and they, the defense showed up. And again, limited to everybody else. Brunson did have 21 last night, but he only the Mavs only shot 38% from the field. And when you're holding a team to only 80 points, that is saying something, right? Because it wasn't like the game was competitive. It was 49-46 at the half. They held them to 34 points the rest of the game. Just showing up and showing out. And it's been absolutely impressive to what we've been seeing. But we're going to finally figure out. I think Phoenix will close this out in game six. So my that was my prediction from the start. Suns and six. I also cut was on the Goat Talk podcast with Marcus when I broke down the Mavericks Jazz series because I was been following the Jazz for a lot, or as I've been in Idaho, following the Jazz to a T, and I figured they were going to lay an egg, as they did. So, going to be really intriguing to see how they adjust. Spencer Dinwiddie has to have some resemblance of a game here. So, intriguing to see. I think it's going to be fascinating. 
Love this. Phoenix is going to win in six. You're going to have Suns Warriors Conference Finals. We'll do a bigger breakdown of that next time. And hopefully I can have my technology a little bit better so we can actually have this up on YouTube. If not, I'll hopefully post a couple snippets and clips, either of this audio or do a once I have my video fixed, I'll get that up and running for us on a YouTube and post a couple clip videos. But if you guys haven't already, go check out that Dean Blandino video. He gives some great insight on different things. If you haven't already, go check out GTV Marcus. I've plugged him multiple times. I've been on his show the last couple weeks. Several times I'll be on his show soon as well. Either the next couple days, talk Warriors, because the Warriors are my calling card when it comes to as a fan. So go check that out. Go check out this just in. Also, yeah, I'll give my final uh, little bit of a take here. Watch out. I'm going to give a massive announcement here. September 1st. Be on the lookout for September 1st. Something is brewing in the Final Whistle Sports Podcast and the podcast world. It is going to be something truly, and I'm so excited to get this started. I'm not allowed to make an official announcement or anything, but be on the lookout for September 1st because we are going to be trying to take the Final Whistle Sports Podcast to a whole nother level. So I'm really excited to work on this this summer, get this all set up for you guys for a September 1st release. That is our goal. If we get it up earlier or later, we will let you know. Goal is September 1st for a massive, massive, re not a rebuild, but another entity that the Final Whistle Sports Podcast is going to be joining into the fold of something much bigger than ourselves couldn't have done it without the help of all of you guys, my fans, my supporters that are always out here. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Watch the basketball. This is Blaine Spencer, the final whistle, signing off. Thank you.